Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Praise God. Looks like we have a, a lot of people here tonight. Amen? A lot of uh, unfamiliar faces, a lot of familiar faces, a lot of special people, a lot of people that I love. Praise God. I'm just happy to see everybody here tonight. Amen? Welcome. If this is your first time here, welcome. Come back. We love to have new people here all the time. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Get ready to uh, praise and worship the Lord. Are you ready to praise the Lord? Yes. Are you ready to praise the Lord? Yes. They're louder over there, by the way. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, let me uh, read a little scripture. We'll say a prayer and we'll get some praise and worship. Amen. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That was put on my heart this week, family. So let's pray for that. Amen. 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 Let's, uh, let's stand, please. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're just such an amazing and wonderful God. and We want to thank you. We want to thank you for the wonderful meal, Lord, for the wonderful fellowship and for the time that you've given us to do both. Lord, we thank you for the ability to come in here and, Lord, uh, have church in this place, Lord. Lord, you've given, us, uh, you've given us such a great family to come together with. And, Lord, we just thank you and praise you and honor you for that. Lord, tonight we just ask, Lord, that you would just uh, bless all those that came. And, Lord, be with those that are away from us for whatever reason. Lord, bless them, too, and draw them back to us as quick as possible. We miss them and love them. Lord, tonight we just pray, Lord, as we prepare to bring the praise and worship, Lord, that you would bless the team, Lord, that uh, is going to lead us there. And, Lord, that you would just help us to be reminded of not just who we are, but whose we are. We love you, we praise you, we honor you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's stay standing. We serve a faithful God. Amen. 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 Shelters me. 
times you're with me. You're faithful. In sickness and trial, you're with me. You're faithful. In triumph and blessing, you're with me. You're faithful. Your mercies abounding, you're with me. You're faithful. In strength for my weakness, you're with me. You're faithful.
so holy Lord we thank you so much that we can come to you Lord you are shelter Lord you're that still voice that penetrates through the storms that penetrates through the fires and the whirlwinds that surround us and it speaks to our heart Lord and we're comforted we thank you so much we praise you Just 
Lord, we just lay ourselves before your throne right now. What can we say, Lord? There's nothing that compares to you. What can we do, Lord, to add to what you've already done? How do you follow that song? <laughs> I don't know. What can I say? What can I do? But offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. How many here tonight believe they're servants of the living God?
How many here believe that we're to be his stewards? And what does that mean? Take care of his people. Take care of each other. <laughs> Take care of the world, for that matter. And I, yeah, ambassadors. Those songs tonight fit into the verse the Lord gave me, and I thought when he gave me this verse was a little odd uh, because it's talking about actually tithing. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to use it for what he gave it to me for. It's in Malachi 3.10. It says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out to you a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Couldn't help but think about this tonight. Look at this room. Look at the chairs. Look at the food we had. Look at the people that are here. Look at the blessings Rick got. And you don't even know the half of it. It's not my place to tell it. You don't even know the half of it. The things he's given us from where we all were some short time ago. And that even goes for the ones that have been here the longest that short time ago. Huh. And all he asks us to do, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Oh, meddling. Uh, but let's go on. And prove me. Boy, that's a challenge from our Lord, our God, our Master, the creator of this world. Are we doing it? I know I'm not doing enough. Let us pray. Father, we come humbly before you tonight, realizing our weaknesses, realizing our failures, yet realizing that you know all about that. You've watched us. You've seen us. And you love us anyway. Lord, that's a humbling thought. We love you for it. We love you because you first loved us. We love you because you continue to be with us. You continue to provide for us. You continue to find a way amidst all the darts of the enemy, which are all around us, you hold us up when we're down. You give us peace. You give us comfort. You give us joy. Help us to accept that. Help us not to fight against those wonderful blessings that you want to give us. And we'll give you the praise, the glory, the honor for who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. I just leads right into everything that I've been thinking about and praying about this week and being reminded of, you know, uh, I look and see all the blessings. All the blessings that I've received, just I count the few that 
I think there are from the time I got home from Sweden, you know, but the many that are even beyond that. You know, I was uh, listening to a song, and one of the one of the lyrics said, you know, God, I'm going to count all the blessings. I can't count that high. I can't count that high, and that really, that really hit home, because if I sat and counted all the blessings, I can't count that high. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, <clears throat> this is the time that we prepare to get ready to uh, have our brother Sekou come and, uh, and uh, bring us the bread of life. And, and uh, you also know what time it is as well. It's time for me to, to ask you a question. Hmm. Why do squirrels spend so much time in the trees? Get away from all the nuts on the ground. <laughs> Took six months to get a, a good joke. <laughs> it's too late for that. I was trying to go to sleep over there to see what it's like. The you know, eat good and then be sleepy and tired in church and, you know, kind of do one of these numbers. Somebody will ask, you know, don't the faces intimidate you? And I'm like, not when the faces are doing this. It's not really intimidating. <laughs> it's kind of demoralizing, but it's not intimidating. But I do want to thank you. It's, it's, we eat good here a lot. And for some, this is the best time of eating in, in a week. And we're appreciative of that. And we recognize that. We ate good, and I went over there, and I looked at the dishes, and I was like, wow, there's still a lot over there. And Eric is probably assessing the situation going. <laughs> but um, it's good to be here. It's good to have um, faces that we haven't seen in a year, and then faces that some of you guys are very familiar with, but I just met him today, Mark and his wife. Um, Jeff, we haven't seen for a while because he's been, he lives way up yonder. Um, but it's great to be here in fellowship with you all and, and just see how God is increasing um, what he's doing in this place. And again, it's not all based on one or two individuals. It's based on the body of Christ, everybody's contribution, whether you're sitting out there, standing up here, telling jokes. Um, but all of it's a part of it. All of it is important. And, and I thank God that, you know, we have people that say, you know what, I'm going to serve in a capacity that may not necessarily be noticed, but I'm going to serve. And then other people serve in a capacity that's noticed, but it's not, it, it's not, you know, like a big deal. It's not like, oh, this is who I am. We're all trying to do our part in order to help this body grow. And each and every one of us, including myself, is edified by um, everybody else contributing their gift. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke, the 10th chapter. We're actually going to read two parts of this, and uh, we're going to do some work. Uh, for most of y'all, while you're turning there, last week we talked about authority, and mainly the authority of Jesus Christ. And so we're not going to go back and do a whole lot of um, replay and recap of that, except for one thing, and that Jesus Christ is the name above all names, and the only name whereby men must be saved. So there is nothing that is higher than Jesus Christ. When we mention the name of Jesus, that is the authority. And so whether we can 
um, you know, we look at the different areas and all this, that, and the other. We cannot deny the scripture that says in several places that he is exalted on high. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and he is the name that is above every name. Uh, whether in time where we are learning how to submit, and then there comes a point of judgment where you don't get a choice. You're going to submit one way or the other. And so we have a calling to warn as many people. That's the whole point of the Great Commission. Jesus Christ is in charge. And you're either going to recognize that and voluntarily bow and worship him as Lord, or there's going to come a day when you're going to be judged and you're going to have to anyways. And you don't get brownie points because you did it because you have to. <laughs> there's a reason why the principle is echoed in Scripture. Be a cheerful giver. Don't give begrudgingly. Don't do things begrudgingly. Because that is a sign that I'm only doing this because you told me to. Now is a point of I'm doing this because you are Lord. Yes. I'm doing this because you are Jesus. Amen. And so when we do that, when we live a lifestyle like that, I guarantee you that as, as time goes on, it serves as a witness to other people that Jesus isn't just Lord in theory. He's Lord of my life. He's Lord of my belongings. He's Lord of the things that I do. He's Lord of the decisions that I make. He is Lord over all. Luke chapter 10, we're going to read verses 1 through 3, and then 16 through 20. If you're there, say amen. amen. All of y'all should say amen. Deb told me a while ago, you know, nobody should say they're not there because it's on the board. So let's stand in honor <laughs> reading God's word, if you're able. The Bible reads, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. And he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Skip down to verse 16. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. He who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. We thank you for your word and for your spirit, and we pray that your spirit teaches each and every one of us today what it is, individually and corporately, what we need to hear so that we can grow, we can not only grow, but we can put it into practice and then be able to share it with others. Let our lives proclaim loudly, whether it's words or actions, that you are Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. You may be seated. So the, uh, the subject of the authority of Christ is unquestionable. Per scripture, not per seku, not per anybody else, per scripture, Jesus Christ is Lord. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20, he says, all power, all authority, not power, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, all of it. If it's in heaven, he's in charge. If it's on earth, he's in charge, which basically means Anything that is on the earth, he has authority over. You say, well, what about things in hell? Let me break some news to you. The devil doesn't live in hell. 
He, when you read Job, it says, where are you? And he says, I've been roaming to and fro and up and down in the earth. He is on the earth. His, his demons are on the earth. You know what that means? Jesus Christ is Lord even over him. So when he preaches this, he says, this is the pretense. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore because of that authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. So not only is he in charge, but the one that's in charge is with us. Whether we want him to be there or not, whether we go into those situations where we wouldn't necessarily take Jesus if he was walking here in the flesh, he is still with us no matter where we go. Preferably it's going where he sends us. And if you look at the opening text that we started with in Luke chapter 10, um, you, you notice some things that as we talk about authority, because these 70 were given authority as they went out. But here's the thing. This is before the Holy Spirit. We are in a dispensation or an age or a time in where the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, lives, doesn't just visit doesn't come over and say, okay, that's good, and leave you with the dishes. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of each and every one of us. Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So this, they were sent out in this sort of power before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They were sent by Christ. They didn't just up and say, I got this idea, and I'm going to go out. They were sent out by the one who has authority. They were sent out. In humility. If you read in the text, he says, do not carry a money bag or, or take food or whatever. You go to somebody's house and you deal with the company. You, you are a company and you deal with what they provide. However, if there is no peace, you say peace be unto you and there's no peace, then you move on. But he sends them basically out there as sheep among wolves and even tells them that. They are sent with nothing more than a message. And what's that message? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That message is talking about God restoring divine order into the earth and the heavens. And so that's the message. Everything that you see that is in fallen man's hands is about disorder. It's about chaos. It's about rebellion. Repent from that because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And again, you can either choose to serve or you will bow at some point. But right now, the decision is yours. Make the decision while you can. See, we can talk about the authority of Christ, but now we're talking about the authority of the believer. Last week, we talked about Christ. Now we're talking about Christians. And that's always an uncomfortable subject. Because Christians want to go out and just start telling everything what to do, some Christians, especially the immature ones. We don't have any of those in here, do we? No, we got a bunch of liars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you said behave now <laughs> we got company no meddling um <laughs> he pointed to the. they were pointing to the message that christ is coming back and that's about order and restoration but they were also there with the authority to put things under that are interfering with the message and that's where we tend to get things a little twisted because we want to be bossy we want to just remove things in the name of Jesus. But in all actuality, the enemy was the opposition, things in opposition of the message. 
Luke chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. I'm going to try and do this without having to put these things on, but I might have to. Jesus sends them out with a very specific um, understanding. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. There are some interesting passages in John where he says, why do you say, have we seen the Father? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That is pretty interesting in itself. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. But then he turns around when he sends them out in John. A little bit later on, he says, if you, they have seen you, they have seen me. Which then goes, like we did with, um, with you earlier, if they have seen you, then they've seen Jesus. But if they've seen Jesus, they've seen the Father, which means all of that is wrapped up in if they see you, they see all of that. They don't see the overwhelming glory of God and him and his in, in, in all of him, because people would probably die. But they do see the change, the nature, and what God intended for you to be as you represent the kingdom. And that's everybody in this room. I know that we have dealt with, for years, the stigma, the background, the, the things that we have come out of, the things that have been done by people in this church and people that are listening to this on whatever you're listening to. And, and that is tough. Whether or not it is this, the nature of crimes that have been done in here or just crimes in general or just being a bad person overall that hasn't been caught yet. And that lives with you in the back of your mind. But God's work is a restorative work to build a new creature on the inside of you. He is not sending out the old you. He's sending out the new you that reflects who he built on the inside of you. What gets us wrapped up is that we can't separate the old us from the new us. And then sometimes when we want to be the new us, the old us says, I can handle this situation much better. And then we start walking in the flesh and we feel disappointed and the devil's happy. And instead of us going out and promoting the kingdom, we go sit in our room because, oh, woe is me. I've messed up. That's our struggle. But in all actuality, as the new creature in Christ, that is what God is sending out to represent the kingdom. And he doesn't send you out just to be attacked by the world for no reason. He sends you out with authority, but Christian authority is delegated authority. That's not, I'm handing you this and you can do what you want. Nobody in any military system has the ability to just do what they want. They follow orders and then they give orders. Somebody is under somebody else. And when you look at order and structure, when you have a whole bunch of people running around doing whatever it is that they want to do, that's called anarchy and chaos. We have authority because of Christ who is in us. And as long as we rest in the grace of the shepherd and operate according to what he tells us to do, where he sends us, where he tells us to go, what he tells us to say, we don't even have to stand and roar all we have to do is just stand as the Christians he's called us to be. And that's authority because now we're standing in Jesus' name. Authority is effective if you're under authority. There's a story in Acts 19. And I want to read it real quick. Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 17. Hopefully we can read it pretty quick. Some of y'all know this. 
starts in 11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul, hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. That is unusual. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. Now, is the name of Jesus powerful? But when you are not under the headship of Jesus Christ, but you try to legislate order in the name of Jesus Christ, you are going to be defenseless against the retaliation. And as this individual found out, verse 15, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known to both all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and the fear (laughs) fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Why? Because you better handle it respectfully. Better handle it respectfully. I I learned a lesson once about... um, you know, just calling on the name of the Lord Jesus, and people say, don't use the name of the Lord in vain. And there are some things that you can go theologically into using the name of the Lord in vain. But then there was something that I was shown that's really irritating, and it also falls under the same thing. Chris. So when we uh, are using the name, of the, na- the name of the Lord, or we're standing in the name of the Lord, that should be something that we uh, take very seriously. Chris. So when we are, how annoying is that? Ask me like five or six more times. I, I don't have time to do that. The thing about it is, if I call his name, what did he do? He responded. Imagine calling on the king of kings and lord of lords and just saying his name. And he goes, what do you need? Oh, nothing. I'm just shouting an exclamation because I almost got in a car wreck. I'm not calling you. I'm just using your name. I'm just mentioning your name. That's, that's just, why would you do that? My, my, my brother-in-law called me once. They say, cool, what you doing? Sitting on the couch. What's up? I'm bored. Well, what you call me for? I'm here for your entertainment. I'm here, you can just call me up and just, hey, I'm bored, entertain me. And I was like, this is so annoying. And then I realized that we do the same thing to God. We call on him, but we have no intention on either coming under his headship or we call on him and have no intention on having a conversation with him. The name of the Lord Jesus is powerful. If demons get upset because you mention it, if non-believers get upset because you mention it, how come the church doesn't hold on to it with more reverence? These men were not under the authority of Jesus Christ. And they ended up getting beat, sent out in the street naked, everything exposed because of it. And how many Christians, because we mishandle the authority of Christ Jesus in the name of Jesus, everything, our business, all of our stuff is laid bare because we ran into a situation that we did not have the authority to deal with and we got the snot beat out of us. Authority is not a way to enact your will upon the earth. It's not your will be done, Seku on earth as it is on earth. (laughs) It is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
So for me to go out and just shout in the name of Jesus and think that's going to be whatever fixes um, the problem that I deem a problem, then I am the problem because that's not how it works. It's not our authority, but a proclamation of his authority when we say in the name of Jesus. And it starts from a place of alignment. Are we in line with Jesus ourselves? Are we speaking for the king that is our king? Because alignment has another word that we can use called atonement. And if you break down atonements at one minute, when you look at the blood, the sin offering of the, the old sacrificial term was covered in the blood of Jesus. But so was the consecration sacrifice, which completely takes you from an unholy state to a holy state because of the whole burnt offering or the offering of consecration or atonement. And that's the boat that each and every one of us are in. It's not just our sins are covered. We're covered so that we could stand before God. Submission, though, for the Christian is about being in order with God and about divine order that he sets out for our life. And the opposite of divine order is rebellion and disorder. As John would say, we could preach a whole lot about that. Because we could look at even Christians who ended up going to prison or having other things happen, did it happen because you were doing everything right? Or did it happen, it's a rhetorical question, but or did it happen because you were in a moment of rebellion, you stepped out of order with God, and next thing you know, calamity has happened. God has an order set for each and every one of us. Come in, brother. It starts with us being submitted to his person submitted to his word, submitted to what his word instructs. Let's take a test. Because we say, I'm not picking on you, but we say, I'm submitted to the word of the Lord. All right, let's take a test. First Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. <laughs> I'm going to read it from the board so I can run. <laughs> First Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 16 says, therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Therefore, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Oh, I love Jesus, but I like speeding. See, I'm going to preach at me because if I start preaching at y'all, some of y'all get offended. And you're already offended because it says submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, including probation. But I'm going to leave that alone and I'm going to, oh my God, I can preach up in here if I need to. Don't act like y'all ain't listening. But even with speeding, oh, I'm just keeping up with the flow of traffic. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Are we really submitting to the word? I don't want to read this any further before we, <laughs> we need to move on. Whether to the king as supreme, next verse, or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of them who do good. I'm, I'm meddling big time. Unintentionally meddling. Believe me, I didn't want to go here. <laughs> we go where we're sent. But this is very true. We're submitted to Jesus when we want to be, but then when we have a conflict with government, when we have a conflict 
with those who are in authority that God has placed here, all of a sudden we want to pick and choose what we want to do, and that is not me having a choice. That is disorder, and it is rebellion. I'm going to call it what it is. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, and the Spirit is really moving me to meddle in a point because we've had some people that instead of uh, putting to ignorance the, the putting to silence the ignorance of foolish men by doing good, we have become antagonistic, we have become adversarial, we have become problematic, and then we wonder why we have the problems that we're having. Do you know what that scripture really means? If they talk about you, you keep doing good. If they don't like you, you keep doing good. And at one point, they're going to have to eat their own words because they see that God's blessing is over your life and he is continually blessing you because you are in order. Authority without submission is dangerous. It can be used for aggression, which leads to an agenda of I. You're going to do what I say. We're going to do things my way. Or it can be used for rebellion, which leads to anarchy of I. I'm going to do what I want, and I don't care what you have to say about it. The church has an extreme amount of authority, but because we don't recognize that, unfortunately, we see a lot of rebellion and anarchy, even in the pews and leadership of the church. Because we don't realize, or we give lip service, to the fact that we're submitted to Christ. And then we wonder why Peter says, do you know that judgment begins at the house of God first? I don't know about you, but I didn't realize we were going to go here. And now I'm going to go home and really sit over a cup of coffee and go, Lord, I repent. Recognizing Christ is ahead of all things is not just a comfortable concept. It's our reality. <laughs> He's in charge of our blessing. He's in charge of our life. He's in charge of our circumstances. He's in charge of all the things around us. And do we want to use authority because Jesus sends us out to do things and we know that we have the capability to do so? Or do we want to use authority because we want to set things our way? Luke chapter 10 verses 18 through 19 in our main text. Definition of the enemy. Because guess what? That person sitting next to you, that's not your enemy. They may annoy you, but they're not your enemy. Now, let me, let me rephrase this real quick before some of y'all think, yeah, I can keep being a, a stick in the mud and they're not going to say anything about it. If you decide to marry or side with that which obstructs the word of God and what God is intending for his sheep, you are putting yourself in league with the enemy. So a person who has an attitude just wakes up one morning, you know, like 90% of us do. That in itself is not your enemy. But that person who says, you know what, I'm purposely going to stand with you to interrupt what God is doing, then that person is putting themselves in league with the enemy. In verses 18 through 19, he said to them, because they are re rejoicing that the demons are subject to them in your name, I saw Satan fall like 
or fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. In other words, the enemy is what opposes the message and the ministry of salvation. The enemy is what opposes the message and the ministry of salvation. You look at all of the scriptures in history of liberators, God sending liberators, especially Moses, let my people go. The enemy wasn't the Israelites. The enemy was what was obstructing the Israelites from truly worshiping and understanding who God is. So the enemy was Pharaoh and his gods. When Jesus walked the earth and his ministry was essentially let my people go, his enemy wasn't the tax collectors and uh, the, the prostitutes and the destitutes and all of that. His enemies were the people. His enemies, number one, was whatever was standing in the way of the kingdom of God reaching the, the lost. And if people decided to league themselves like Pharisees, then guess what they became? You marry the enemy, you become the enemy because you become one with them. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, a very popular scripture that we use often states, and, and you are in warfare, but it states what that warfare is with, and it's not with each other. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. I'm not here to fight with you, and you're not here to fight with me. But sometimes we want to use our Christian liberty and authority because somebody does something that I don't like, then I'm going to legislate the word against them. I'm going to manipulate the church against them. And that is a complete misuse of the authority that Christ has given us because we're going against the wrong enemy. Do you, just a side note, the verses that are before what we just read are about submission to the people around you to the family structure, to the church. It's interesting how before it talks about the divine order of things, us submitting to God, a lot of these scriptures talk about submitting to one another, submitting to elders, submitting husband and wife, submitting children, submitting to parents. There's a lot about submission that's not just you and God, it's you and the people around you and the divine system of order around you. We don't like that. Some of us don't like that. <laughs> Jesus's ministry was one of salvation, a season of salvation before the season of judgment. Why are we so quick to pronounce judgment on people instead of ministering salvation to them while we are in the season of salvation? Stay awake over there also. Luke chapter 4 verses 17 through 19. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. This is Jesus when he's reading on Sabbath. He's reading the Havdalah portion, not the Torah portion, but the Havdalah portion, the second part, which is usually in the prophets. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to beat everybody up and put everybody in their place. 
Absolutely not. That is, that is, you got that Bible, let me see it, we're going to burn it out in the fire pit. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed. We should be preaching the year of the Lord is here for freedom. There's something that Skip said um, about the desired end, and then the, the lawyer kind of in, in the Narsal meeting said the same thing. He sits down with people and counsels them about their situation, especially with probation, with an end in mind, and the end in mind is to be released or to be terminated from probation on good terms. And so if you sit down and say, yes, that's the goal, and he sits down and says, yes, that's the goal, then you're in agreement and you walk towards that goal. Our goal, when we sit down with people, and some of y'all have sat down with me and heard me say, my goal is to work with you to get you healthy. Now, if we don't agree on that end, then there becomes a problem because we're not going to be able to work together because we have two different goals in mind. But if we're working together towards that person becoming healthy, now we both got to go, we're both in agreement, and we both can walk together. As Christians, we should be walking with the Lord, and our goal is the liberty of the captives and whatever it is that is holding them back. We should be preaching freedom and in working with people to help them gain freedom, freedom from addiction, freedom from bondage, freedom from their own mind, freedom from themselves. Be free so that they can walk according to the way that God has called them to walk without having to worry about bad baggage and luggage and all of these things that the adversary and those that work with the adversary would like to dump upon them. Because with Jesus, it is for freedom he set us free. But because of love, he did not leave us captives. God demonstrates his own love towards us. This is Romans 5.8. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. This is a manifestation of his love. His love is what motivated his desire to see those who fell into deception and bondage become free. And that love is supposed to be part of the church. And if it is a part of the church, then the church's mantra, I don't care if you're Baptocostal or Pentecostal or Lutheran, God forgive you, or any of the other <laughs> denominations, I'm just picking on Lutherans. Come on now. I love Lutherans. They're just the rather dry church. <laughs> but, you know, you catch different fish with different bait, and I understand that because I've learned a lot from Lutherans too. But here's the thing. I don't care what church you go to. I don't care how you interpret whether you speak in tongues or not or whether you uh, keep uh, the, 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 the ordinances once a month or you do communion every other week or what. I don't care. The thing is, the overall mantra of the church is Christ loved us and died for us so that we could be free and we're seeking freedom from those or for those who are oppressed. Period. Authority and power are fueled by love. When I was in Geo, one of the problems that I kept seeing, because I come out of Pentecostal background, so I always wanted to see God's glory and God's power. We want to run on the ceiling. If we ran on the ceilings, it's a good day. That never happened, but, you know, that's, that's what we looked for in the Pentecostal church. Come on now. We wanted power. We wanted a demonstration. We wanted God to show up. And then when I got to Geo, I realized the reason why God manifested power 
in scripture and even in the modern church age isn't because he wants to flex muscle. It's because it is because he wants to set people free from that those things that are holding them back from realizing and attaining the kingdom of God. Amen. It's all about love. Do you and I share the Father's heart for the captives? Luke ten twenty. I don't want to turn there real quick because we're running short, so I'll... Does Chris, uh, does Chris, does Eric have it on the board? Yes. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. In other words, me having authority, and there's a certain level of authority that I have and, and you guys have, but whatever the case may be, that's not a big deal in the kingdom. So what? The big deal in the kingdom is that your name and my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There are very few creatures in the kingdom that have that privilege of their name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You don't see angels written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You don't see other creatures and creations with their names written. You don't see them saying the blood was shed for them for redemption. Their judgment is sealed. But God is demonstrating his love and showing off his love and saying the most important thing for us is that we are free and that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Do we realize the importance of our status? I've told you all about this, the, uh, the lesson, I am my father's son, freed me from the trappings of having to be a minister. And what I mean by having to be a minister, and, and I bet you can say the same thing, and some of y'all that have been down that road can say the same thing, you generally have to live up to an expectation. You must wear your collar the right way. You must be able to say the words with a certain diction and be able to, I can't even do it anymore. <laughs> But that becomes a trap because you're acting like a minister instead of being a child of God who has a job to do. And eventually, if you don't reconcile the two, you will cave in under the pressure. So when I learned that I am my father's son, you know what that freed me from having to be? The P word. Perfect. I didn't have to be perfect. Oh, thank God I could actually be a human being. I didn't have to walk around and be fake. quiet in here. Understandably so. The biggest thing for me was that my father has adopted me and called me into the family. Preaching is just a responsibility. Teaching is a responsibility. But it's not a big deal compared to I am my father's son. I am my father's daughter. I'm not perfect, but he's perfecting me. You know what? I can have flaws because his grace is made perfect in my weakness. And as long as I keep inching towards him step by step and people see that growth in my life, that is more powerful than me being up here, being able to use a whole bunch of 50 cent words. I have a 75 cent word too, but I don't want to say it and stumble. Don't turn there, but in Peter chapter 5, he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you in due time. That's another scripture we were going to go to, but we don't have time. But if you go back and read that, look at the scriptures before. Guess what they're dealing with? Submission. Order. You cannot speak order if you're not in order. You can't enforce order if you're not in order. 
As a matter of fact, if you look at the qualifications for being a bishop, if you can't run your household, you have no business running the church. If you don't have order in what you've been given as your sphere of authority, then what business have you coming to the church and causing the same chaos you got in the church as you got in your house? You can't proclaim order if you're not in order. You say, well, I feel like I'm not in order. Well, that's, that's, it depends. Some days you're not going to be in order. But as long as you keep getting up and saying, Lord Jesus, I'm taking this step for you. And that's more than enough. Lord Jesus, I'm taking this step for you. And that's more than enough. Other people may have a lot more steps that they have to take in their life. And that's between them and God. But your walk is between you and God. And if he says, I just called you to step right here, you step right there. And if there's obstacles and things in the way that try to hinder you, there's authority to speak against that. But let me warn you that not everything that comes in your life is for you to go in the name of Jesus. Go away. Because how would you have grown if those challenges weren't allowed in your life? If you could remove everything that discomforted you with the name of Jesus, you would be a very shallow Christian. And you look at all of the suffering, all of the things that helped develop us into who we are because we fell into God's order and allowed him to have authority over the process to turn us into the people that we are today. That includes prison. You walked in, I don't like this guard. I don't like uh, Dobos. I remember him. I don't like C.O. Dobos. You know, he's just, that guy did not mean that some of y'all know who he is. He did not mean any harm. He was just very straightforward and by the book. He, he had no um, ill will. He wasn't manipulative, but because he was telling you what to do, people didn't like that. But if you said, my Lord is in charge and I'm going to stand here, then that situation which you think you need to rebel against because you don't like it, you find that you start to learn some things about yourself in the midst of it. So before you want to flex authority, start asking the question, are there some things, number one, are there some things I need to flex my authority in? And you'll find that more often than not, God says, just stand. Like in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, just stand. You have more than enough authority because you're standing where I told you to stand, going where I told you to go, and doing what I told you to do. And if there is something that chooses to oppress the message and stand in your way, then I will tell you to speak against it. But don't speak against everything because there are some things there that are there to help you grow. Some of us need to be in difficult churches. Helps us become better stewards of the word of God and, and people. Some of us need difficult friends because those difficult friends take the edges off of us as we help take the edges off of them. Now, if they're going to be stubborn and obstinate and all of that, then that's different. But I'm talking about, you know, you're good friends with this person, but there's just some things that get under your skin and you want to just wish them away. And God says, I got this person there to help you grow. Somebody, uh, Richard has this the, the, the HVAC, and it's called Five Stones. Named after the five stones that David took out of the water. He only needed one to take down the giant. But before that stone could be used in a sling, that stone had to become a little bit more aerodynamic. Do you know how stones get their edges taken off of them? Other stones. So that stone is sitting in the middle of a brook with other stones bumming and tussling and wrestling and jostling and, and hitting one another. And David goes and picks five that have been through the process. 
with smooth edges, aerodynamic and ready to go, and he only needed one, but that one stone needed all the rest of the stones that irritated it, bothered it, discouraged it, got on its nerves to knock off the edges so that when it was time for that stone to be called, it could be slingshotted straight into a giant's forehead. You don't know what God has you in in order to work off those edges and crags and sharp points. But before you try to wish it away with the name of Jesus, go to Jesus, be in order with him and ask him the question, is this here to help me grow or is this here to hinder me? Paul went to Jesus and said, I have this buffet in my flesh, this thing, this, this thorn in my side, and he wanted to get rid of it. He, Paul had more authority than we could think of, but he couldn't get rid of it. And God says, that is there to keep your head in the game it wasn't hindering him it was helping him to rely on God's grace some of us want to wish away our problems and I'm not saying that you should manifest the the desires and the issues that you're having but you want to get rid of the addiction you want to get rid of the whatever it is and as long as you're not walking in it one of the things God is doing is saying look son if you didn't have this problem bothering you every 15 minutes would you have spent enough time in prayer and fellowship with me today? If this thing wasn't bugging you to the point where you had your hands up and it was continually rushing you to the throne, what would? There are things in our life that we just can't, in the name of Jesus, go away. But as we submit and surrender to who has all authority and then we confer with him, Lord Jesus, here's an obstacle. Do I need to speak to it or do I need to work through it? And then we go by his answer, we find that we have all the authority that we need in order to accomplish the goals that he has sent us out for. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are just, your thoughts are deeper than our thoughts. Your ways are beyond understanding. And you have so much going on that in order to navigate this, we have to submit, surrender, and listen to your voice say, this is the way walk you in it. So, Lord, we pray that we gradually learn to come more and more under your authority and trust your authority over all things and then go to you when we run into challenges and say, Lord, how do I address this? Is it a help or is it a hindrance? How do I face this situation? And we stand in your authority as we stand for your kingdom and proclaim your goodness and freedom to the captives that you have placed us around, that they may be able to see the light and find freedom for themselves by the power of your great name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let all the church say, Amen. would you all stand? I try to rush, but I know better than to rush, so we can go the rest of that later. The thing is, if I manage to preach the whole thing or if I manage to only preach one part, you're only going to get a seed anyways. In other words, you need to go back and sit down with God and study and listen for yourselves. Don't say, thus saith Seku, therefore I'm going to go and attack this mountain. That's trouble. Go and hear from the Lord so that you can say, thus saith the Lord. This is what needs to be accomplished. But he doesn't want you to be under the authority of those things which hold you captive. 
He wants you to be under his authority, which means free from those things which will bind you in your service to him and hinder you in your proclamation of the kingdom so that you can proclaim the freedom that God has ordained for man if they follow his son, Jesus Christ. And that, honestly, in this dispensation that we got until he comes in the clouds, is all that matters. Not that we forsake our jobs and we forsake our families and, well, he says forsake your family, but not that we don't find the importance of other things, but we hold him important over all things. Would you lift your hands for the benediction? Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Let the church say, amen. amen. God bless you. And nobody went to sleep. <laughs>